Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, if you've listened to uh, this podcast on a regular basis, uh, you've heard David B. Um, critical of the evangelical church. And we explore that today. He um, explains sort of his perspective of it, um, having spent many years uh, in that world and uh, sort of how it has evolved for him over time. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering of this podcast. Uh, Thank you to Jacob Nedia uh, for letting us use the monk drums you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com, drcrpod.com for other episodes of this podcast or whichever pod uh, catcher you found this in, and uh, dreamwalkerway.com to get your book, uh, your copy of Desolate Beauty, a book of light and shadow. And please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. David Morrison. Buenos tardes. Dispatches from the Verge. That was loud. Um, <laughs> you came in hot. Hot. We might have to edit that down a little you bit. came in like a taki. Danny West. <laughs> uh, how are you today? I'm feeling good. Yeah, me actually. too. Yeah. Allergies are clearing up. So Allergies are clearing up. We've sold some books on our website. Selling them books, slinging books. Slanging books, as the kids say. Um, one of the things, uh, if, <laughs> if, you've, if you've listened to this podcast with any regularity, uh, you've heard some of the, uh, the bombs Mr. David Morrison has thrown at the Evangelical Christians and and their uh, what do you say the slippery slope to fascism? Yes. <laughs> um, well, because uh, you know that that was the argument that uh, a lot some of my even my mentors would use towards me was, uh, you know that liberalism it's a slippery slope, and and so now my message to them is yeah it's a slippery <laughs> slope the other way as well into fascism and I don't think there were any liberals storming the Capitol. Uh, so it was that, just it, it was F- a, FBI agents and yeah. the uh, and the and the cues. It wasn't progressive Christians storming Pizza Gate or going to the pizza parlor and shooting wow. it up and you know so I'm still cracking up about the <laughs> we talked about it on the I don't remember one of the podcasts where I guess one of the gospels was called Q. <laughs> of all, <laughs> was it? You shared that. You said one of the. Aramaic, oh, oh, possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's German for, uh, I think, other okay. or unknown or something, but I don't know the German. I forget the German word. Yeah, Q um, is the, it's, it's, it's a non-existent gospel that scholars think Mark and Matthew derived their okay. gospel from. Yeah. And Q. we talked about that <laughs> at the, the beginning. Secrets of the gospel. <laughs> the beginning of the month, we talked about the mysteries of the gospel and that, that came up in that uh, conversation. Anyways, uh, to get back to today's discussion, um, but we thought it would be, all right, you know, we, we kind of discussed before we flipped on the mics to sort of your, more about your, your personal, um, journey 
My through that. My slippery slide. <laughs> yeah, your slippery that slide. That took 20 years. Into, <laughs> well, into <laughs> the evangelicalism and now the other side of the slippery yeah. slide that is taking you into the monastic, uh, not context, but uh, way of life, I yeah. guess. So, um, so yeah, so maybe, you know, just I, we can start with, you know, if you want to either talk about how you understand a definition around evangelicalism or how you ended up there, you know, what, whatever, however you want to preface this conversation and we'll just go from there. Yeah. And I, and again, I, I have been known to throw those bombs. (laughs) If somebody has a more than a 10 minute conversation with me, uh, I love to, one of my hobbies is to go bowling for Pharisees and, uh, Because of my own self-righteousness, though. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's what's feeling all of it. (laughs) Of course. But I do have, yeah, uh, uh, a lot of issues. And and it's not just uh, a random thing. It's been a 20-year downhill slide for me, you know. And and, and and I I think think also to preface it is you were in that world. Right. It's not like you're an outsider. Completely invested in that world. Yes, absolutely. It was a very personal thing and part of your life. Yes. Let me, yeah, let me give a definition who evangelicals are, if you haven't heard. Uh, If you read the news media, mostly it's, uh, it is the political fascists who are trying to set up a theocracy uh, in America and would overthrow democracy if they had to. That's not false but it's not the complete picture either mm-hmm. uh but it's 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 a a movement um in the in the protestant his in protestant history of uh an emphasis on the bible itself as a source of personal transformation mm-hmm. by studying and reading the bible meditating on it you can be personally transformed um there's an emphasis on a doctrine called being born again. Right. So, so there's this uh, teaching that, that you can have a personally transformed life uh, by believing in, in Jesus. Um, and, and then there's, there's a, an, uh, at least in my day, it's not so much anymore, but, but uh, it was, a, it was a very democratic in the sense of, uh, Anybody could read the Bible in their own language and be transformed and, mm. and have a, and, and have a personal experience with God. So, and that was kind of their main gripe with Catholicism, right? Yeah. Because you had to go through the sacramental system, yeah. right. And have a priest mediating even your personal confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and, and I was never really a part of, what you would call the mainstream. So the mainstream evangelicals would be uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in the U.S. Okay. They're they're the biggest, biggest group. And I was never associated with them and right. I never will be. Uh, so I was in a subgroup called the, uh, the Charismatics and even in a subgroup from that <laughs> called the, the Vineyard. And, and Vineyard was, was a hybrid of, those evangelical values and charismatic Pentecostal values. So um, charismatic and Pentecostal is interchangeable. No, not this, not when you okay. look a little closer. So Pentecostal is older. Uh, it's, it's a little wilder. 
and charismatic would be more like Pentecostalism light. Okay. Okay. And so like a Pentecostal, for example, would say a classic, classical Pentecostalism, which is a movement from the early 1900s uh, in Wales, uh, Azusa Street, California. So I forget. So in Kansas, but I forget what city mm-hmm. in Kansas. Is there only one city in Kansas? I don't know. Uh, Topeka. <laughs> Uh, in the Kansas, late 1800s. Kansas City. And, and that's an <laughs> emphasis on, it takes the personal experience with God to an even uh, uh, more extreme mm. level. So, so now instead, it's the spirit can fall on anyone who, who's interested. And, uh, and so a Pentecostal, classical Pentecostal would say, if you speak in tongues, for example, then that's evidence that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you mm. don't speak in tongues, that's evidence that you are not baptized in the Spirit. Whereas a charismatic would say, oh, there's a little bit of leeway between those, you know. Yeah. So the charismatic movement was birthed more in the 1960s in the Catholic Church first. Mm. Uh, Pope John the Twenty Third had said a prayer, I think, at the Vatican II sessions, praying for a new Pentecost to come upon the Catholic mm. church. So, so then these Catholics began to, to lay hands on each other, to be healed, mm-hmm. uh, to speak in tongues, to be empowered, that sort of thing. And then in the hippie movement in the 19 late sixties, early seventies, uh, burnt out hippies began to, by the, by the thousands, maybe even the millions, uh, came to faith in Jesus. Uh, Were they the ones Known as the Jesus Freaks? Yeah, Jesus Freaks or the Jesus People Movement. Okay. So if yeah, you look yeah. that up, you could find that on Wikipedia. And and on that's and that's really where Vineyard came out of that. So Interesting, okay. So the large group of that, uh, I could be ignorant, but I think the largest organized group from the Jesus People Movement would be called Calvary Chapel. Okay. And then... Which I've heard of. And John Wimber was originally a Calvary Chapel. Well, he was a Quaker. Mm-hmm pastor first or or on staff at a Quaker church got burnt out then took a job as a church growth consultant for Fuller Institute of Church Growth and then his wife Carol opened up a a, a Bible study in her home mm-hmm. and they began right. to speak in tongues and uh actually they hadn't done that yet it happened at a, at a they invited a guy named Lonnie Frisbee <laughs> Who was literally a hippie dude? A great lived name. in a commune on the on the beach, kind of thing, and he was invited to speak at Wimber's church, which was which was a Calvary Chapel church meeting in Yorba Linda, California, in a high school. Mm. And this guy on the microphone said, "Come, Holy Spirit!" And hundreds of people fell down immediately. The microphone fell down too, right in front of someone's mouth on the floor who was screaming in tongues. And Wimber couldn't wade through the bodies to grab the microphone and shut this thing down. Uh, and that's how. And so they were a little too radical for Calvary Chapel. Okay. And so they had an, they made an agreement. It depends on who you talk which to. Side, which yeah. side of the coin you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Vineyard would say there was an, uh, a peaceable agreement between uh, uh, Chuck. Uh, I forgot his last name. Uh Anyway, uh, between Calvary Chapel and Wimber, and the others would say, no, we couldn't get away from Wimber fast enough. Interesting. <laughs> right. So that's, so that's that in a nutshell. And, but they've kind of come together in, uh, in recent, uh, 
years over political and cultural war issues. Mm. So, so the people that you saw praying over Trump, for example, or mostly, uh, another subgroup called the, the prosperity gospel people mm. who are kind of a Pentecost, Paula White, remember the one calling for angels in Africa to come oh, right. to America <laughs> to, uh, to intervene and, right. st- and stop a uh, democracy kind of thing. So yeah, that, that, so there's that crowd as well. So that's, so when I say evangelical, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the mainstream, uh, non-charismatic Baptist types. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, uh, conservative Methodists. Uh, I'm talking about the, all forms of charismatics and then Pentecostals of their, of those different. Including the prosperity gospel. Right. Yeah. Which, which is a new thing too from the late seventies, eighties. Right. Which I was going to, this is kind of a side, but worldwide that has gained a huge. Oh volume, yeah. Yeah. Right? It's probably. I know it's very big. In I, Africa. I don't have the numbers on me or anything like right. that, you know, but I would say it's the fastest growing okay. f- sect of Christianity. Okay. Uh, maybe Catholicism, but it's all, yeah. In Africa, on the continent of Africa. And the, and, and the idea. And Latin America. The idea is it's basically propping up, not propping up, but worshiping capitalism with the veneer of Christianity on it. You said it. I didn't throw that bomb, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. And, and it does good and it does profound damage as well. Right, you know? right, right. And, um, and I guess for me personally, uh, just a background of, I don't just throw bombs for the sake of throwing bombs, even though I'm of Irish descent. Uh, no offense meant there. Uh, Historically. <laughs> may Margaret Thatcher rest in hell. Uh, anyway, next to Queen Elizabeth I. Anyway. Uh, but uh, you got, so, so when I was growing up, I was very loyal. I was a very loyal Catholic as a, as a youngster. And the priest that we had, this is how radical he was. Who he was he was direct off the boat from Ireland, this priest, Father O'Mahony. And my brother and I were just recently reminiscing about him. No, that's awesome. Uh, and he would tell the church, he said, Well, look, summer's coming. A lot of you are gonna be traveling, and you need to you need to go to mass, uh, you know, on Sunday, whether you're wherever you're at. Yeah. It's your Sunday obligation at the risk of a mortal sin. And he said, but you may be in a place where you can't find a Catholic church to have mass. So I would suggest you go to a synagogue or you go to a mosque, but do not go to a Protestant church. Oh, wow. And so that was, that was that's the amazing. Yeah. It's a radical position, right? Yeah. So he's saying, wild. yeah, he's saying we have more in common, uh, with a Jewish synagogue or a Islamic center or a mosque than we do with uh, Christian Protestants. That that was the the anti sentiment, uh, the 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 negative sentiment, uh, and that would have that, been what, that this, we had towards this, Protestants. The seventies time frame. Yeah, mid mid to late seventies, yeah. early eighties. Um, I think he passed away in the late eighties. Okay. Um, and so, I guess there's some sort of rebellion in me, or <laughs> I guess my teenage rebellion was. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to one of those <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. pop up on the corner, charismatic kinds of church, and they were the worst offenders to him. Right. So he'd always write in the bulletin, uh, uh, 
charismatics are linked to uh, witchcraft, and witchcraft is linked to lesbianism for some reason. <laughs> he would always say, I don't, know what the, I don't understand the connection there, but that's what he would write about in his bullets. Imagine having, you could right. write a bulletin to a couple thousand people, and that's what you write about. So anyway. Like, I know what I'll write. I know what I can talk <laughs> yeah. about today. And so, so yeah, so maybe there's something in me that, Right. I'm a total loyalist. And then I go, I flip the other way. Uh, and so, so yeah, so I gave it all in the charismatic world as well uh, to the point of pastoring or mm -hmm. planting and pastoring that kind of church. And uh, I, I, I wasn't totally into the culture wars at the time. I just, uh, but you know, I was sympathetic towards it. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're around a group of people, yeah, you're going to be, well, not always, but high probability that you're just going to be at least sympathetic to, to going through that stuff. Yeah. And so, so what I'm trying to say is I'm not throwing bombs for the sake of throwing bombs in this case. I, I do have, uh, some very strong feelings about the convictions, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Um, well, do you think some of that so, has to do with the fact that you were part of that for so many years? And there's this idea, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this idea of like do better kind of sentiment. Yeah. Well, what attracted me in those early, in the, in the, in the mid eighties, this is when I jumped ship and, and broke father Tom Ohoney's heart <laughs> as well as my dear sweet mother. Uh, who, I was who, the priest. Who, I was going to be the priest. Yeah. Who has forgiven Irish. you? Yeah. Your mother, I don't yeah, know about she, father, yeah. Tom Mahoney. No, no, he's, uh, I do some rituals to keep those kinds of ancestors away from me. Because <laughs> they wouldn't be happy. Every mentor I've ever had is disappointed in me, actually. And that's that's a painful thing. Yeah. Um, what can I do, right? Except keep on keeping on. Well, you're being true to yourself. and, and I, I and think a lot so. Of, yeah, and a lot of those, or at least the ones I'm aware of. And so, but what really attracted me as a, you know, 17 years old in the mid eighties to this, these kinds of shows was one, uh, they use contemporary music for mm -hmm. worship. Right. And I was doing that anyway with pop songs. I would sing them to God, <laughs> hard days, night. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I would do that anyway. And so that was very, it was very expressive and connective. Uh, you know, just doing a, a droning on in a, in a ritual, uh, as an obligation, but this was passionate mm -hmm. singing and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, second was the, the, the emphasis on, uh, God knows who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can have an intimate relationship with God, a personal and personal connection with God. That was extremely attractive to me. You can experience God. Uh, in the fullness, which of, of which you had already had that experience in the Catholic Church. Yeah, we, but it wasn't affirmed. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. I didn't even talk the, about it. The affirming of it was one of the attractive parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they they affirm it to some degree because it happened in the context of a Catholic Church. They wouldn't validate right. yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me. I'm always been. I've always been an invalid. <laughs> Uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, and so, uh, so that was the second, and the emphasis was on, uh, on, on personal growth, spiritual growth, okay. pastoral care. 
uh, and service to the community around us. Uh, and so, so that was kind of what it was about. And, and the same thing with my political conservatism at the time. It was basically um, low taxes, efficient government, uh, and, and pro-life. That was, that was the extent of it. You know? Right. So then I wake up in around uh, 20 years later in the early 2000s. Now all of a sudden I have to have a, a position on gay marriage. I have to have a position on transgender issues. On, I have to have a guns. position on, on guns, <laughs> on the border, mm. on immigration. So it became very complex uh, for me. And, 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 then, and I, it, I noticed it in our churches uh, right at, around 9-11, uh, Christians, by and large, seemed to become abandoned those things that I just mentioned and became more political, political, mm. and became more fearful and more angry. And so the focus was less on the spiritual side of things and more on the political side. Exactly. Of things. And so, so that's when I began to feel the 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 crack in it. And even with my own church, I think I've talked about it. We I went to a prayer meeting this was would have been around 2001 maybe uh we we were doing seven nights seven nights uh right uh a a day prayer meetings and and this was was pretty well attended it was 40 50 people Mm -hmm. this meeting and and this remember elian gonzalez the poor kid from cuba have i talked about that before i don't think we have but the for those that don't remember it was a a Cuban ref- refugee, and there's a, a famous or actually infamous picture is probably a better way to put it of a um, was it wasn't an ATF, but a government official with INS, a, INS with a uh, AK, not an AK forty seven, M sixteen, basically in the kid's face, yeah, uh, coming out of a boat. And Janet Reno defended it, saying, "Well, if you'd look at the picture closely, his finger is not on the trigger." Is that what she said? Yes, that was her. So I was outraged completely that our own which is government. a little and, and also for context, uh, he was what like six or seven? Yeah, I he think even younger, younger was, than that. Yeah, he was so yeah, a so toddler, as a toddler, yeah, almost. as a child uh, whose mother had already died on the boat, <laughs> right. coming the, from Cuba to here. The fact that the guy didn't have his finger on the trigger is very that's important when you have a gun stuck in your yeah. face. Yeah, not, and they not took quite. him. They took him from his extended yeah. family and. And deported him back to Cuba, and uh, or as as uh, uh, the trendy people like to say, Cuba. Did he? He got to come back like ten or twelve years later, right? I don't think so. I I I thought. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I mean, we. I mean, um, that was a turning point. Yeah, America tortured him by taking him to Epcot Center, and then yeah, then he was sent to a a re. a relearning camp he in went, Cuba somewhere. He went to Epcot Center in a hard a rock cafe and then was sent back to Cuba. Yeah. And so I was outraged. This had just happened. And I was just outraged. And not one person in this prayer meeting before we started praying agreed with me. They thought the government should do that. Should stick guns and in I was people's faces. Yeah. And so I realized this is not my church. Mm-hmm. And that was just the beginning. You know, there's so many other things that had nothing to do with politics had to do with uh, communion and, and the way we did our yeah. services. And, and, and we've, co- my own I, we've definitely covered that yeah. in some of the other podcasts. See, see, uh, yeah, when, you, when transformation of your worldview often happens in two forces. 
One force is you're uncomfortable with your status quo. And the second, and so it's, so there's a force that's pushing you outward, but then there's also a force, hopefully if it's done right, uh, that's attracting you somewhere else. And so for me, it was the monastic ancient church expression that was drawing me away. But, but, but there were forces pushing me out and those forces are uncomfortable and, uh, and probably, uh, would speak of my irascibility and my tendency to throw bombs at, at those things. And so, yeah. And then around, I think it was Bush's second term right after that term. What was that? 2004. Yeah. His, uh, his term ended in 07. The, the or, Republican 08. party broke with him on the issue of immigration. And they were actually floating the idea of building a wall back then. Mm-hmm. The Republican party wanted to, and if you remember, it was around 2005, six, maybe, when students all over, at least the Southwest, walked out of class. Mm. And, and, I, and I realized I'm not, I can't be. That issue, uh, I, I, I can't be. A, if, if this is what makes you a conservative, to hate immigrants. Oh, I see, I see, I can't I see. do that anymore. Right, right. And he was the last Republican that I could vote for. Um, I like John McCain, but... Obama was just way too cool. So <laughs> I bought the slickness yeah, of Obama his, and I voted for him twice. What's his name? McCain had no chance. <laughs> yeah. It's like Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. Yeah, no, Bob I, Dole, Bob I liked Dole Bob no Dole. <laughs> I liked Bob Dole, but Clinton had better hair. <laughs> and a better <laughs> yeah, saxophone. And yeah, he had those sunglasses. And yeah, and Bob Dole just, he had Norm MacDonald. That was it. His one saving grace. Which is a good enough. saving grace. Right. That's a good saving grace. For me, it was enough. Norm McDonald's doing you. Yeah. I'm going to vote for you just so I can see Norm do that, do your impression for four years at least. So anyway, so, th- so those things began to push me out. Um, and then, yeah. And then, so, so and so I'm not I, saying actually, they were never political. There, those forces, the moral majority and Jerry Falwell and those kinds of elements, we, at least our church experience in the mid eighties, we did not like that kind of stuff. We didn't, and, and my mentor uh, at that time, Dale Walker, uh, pushed us away from that stuff. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh on the radio, thought he was funny, thought he was satirical, and, uh, and, and he would even advise me, you shouldn't listen to him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And, so, and, and, and he was right. Just, just to back up a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. So you feel like it was the political issues... No. Leaking into the church is is what sort of started pushing you out? I think initially, but then around the same time, it would have been about maybe 2000, in the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> uh, the Barna Group, you know, the polling. I don't, I don't know. Oh, oh, the polling. They're polling a polling group, group and, uh, and they're, and they're uh, I think, a Christian family, too. Okay. So Christians all around trust him. And, uh, well, they, they released a massive study on the state of the born again crowd, okay. evangelicals. And it was dismal. In the, what sense? They found that the abortion rate was higher amongst born again Christians. Mm. They found out that instances of racism and attitudes of racism were higher amongst that crowd. The divorce rate was at 60, whereas the national average was at 50. Mm. Uh, See, these are these are people that are supposed to be radically transformed by 
relationship with Jesus because they're born again. Right. Right. And so that was astounding to me uh, that, that that was the case. And so I, yeah. So I began to, you know, to realize uh, this is, this is a a failed experiment. Mm. It's a failed spirituality. In my opinion, it works for a while in the sense of the first step of the 12 steps. It gets people sober, initially sober, but it doesn't complete the 12 steps, you know, so to speak. And they become dry, angry drunks there. There's a bomb I just threw. Uh, and uh, dry, dry drunks, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I realized there's no real transformation going on. And then the, I don't remember the year. But, but at the same time, um, and, you know, I, this is just, I'm going off conversations we've had over the years. So yeah. anything I, mi- I misspeak on. To, but you were witnessing transformation and not to pat yourself on the back, but some of that transformation you did see within your church, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't imagine you witnessing the opposite and sticking with it for as long as you did. But maybe, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm naive. I don't no, know. No, I think it was, the, yeah, the attraction towards a, a more community expression. I, I think you witnessed it in Dale's church too. Yeah, for sure. Well, you were yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. Because the emphasis, like I said, was was on pastoral kinds of things, community, uh, pers- community, and transformation. Uh, not give your money. Uh, it was not uh, get involved politically, and you know there was a little bit of that. There was you know there were voter guides and that kind of thing, but yeah, but every uh, church was doing yeah, that yeah, on, on the certain. I mean, yeah, they were doing well, the bare minimum of that. Yeah, okay. Uh, whereas, whereas, in other words, uh, like. Pastor Dale Walker would never it, devote an entire sermon to the evils of the homosexual agenda <laughs> in America. He would never do that. Yeah, yeah. Never talk about the end times. This is a sign of the Jesus coming back. Uh, you know, Russia has pulled out of Afghanistan, so that means this, this, and that. He didn't buy any of that stuff. Okay. So this, he was about pastoral care. That's yeah. what his sermons. His basic sermon was. You know, you know, and I'm roughing it up. Obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm crude. I'm crude. Well, this is we're decades removed from it too. Yeah. So his basic message was, you're in the shit with your life, and you're and God is going to get you through it. Oh. So have some hope today. That was that was basically his message, which I think is a powerful it's a, message. It's an amazing message. message. Yeah. Because you can any religion that you're in, that message is true. Yes. You're in the shit exactly. of life. It's a universal message. <laughs> You're in the shit of yeah. life and God's going to get you through it. Yeah. Uh, and probably not the way you want to quote unquote get through it. Right. Uh, but God's, God is walking with you in this, in this shit show, yeah. so to speak. And then, and then there was an incident in, I'm going to botch this up. It's been so long. Was the kid's name Matthew? He was a, he was a gay kid in either Idaho or Montana. And he was tortured and murdered. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, remember that. The only Matthew uh, Matthew Stafford. No, <laughs> it's not Matthew Stafford. <laughs> He's Matthew, the bench. Matthew Broderick. No, Matthew Broder. Uh, Matthew Perry. No, he was a teenager. You said he was a teenager trying to live his life. It was a huge. It was a huge case at the time. But there's been so many murders now. I was going to say, it's become so unfortunately commonplace. 
it was particularly astonishing. It was like the Emmett Till murder in the, in the fifties. Matthew Shepard. Shepard, yes. And was it in Montana it or Idaho? Nineteen ninety-eight. Give me just a second. Uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. And so that shook me. People are murdering young people for simply being gay. And then the attitude of Christians around me was, yeah, he had it coming. And so that's that began to become a a massive break. It didn't matter what you thought about the morality or immorality of homosexual acts. Uh, the attitude of, of being glad that an innocent child would be murdered uh, and you're okay with it. That's a greater immorality than any other. So that, so that began to, to really rock my world uh, in that sense. And yeah. so, and, and to break with them. And now it's, it's been proven they're, they, they are complicit on those kinds of murders. Uh, and now they're, they're targeting transgender people and they're okay with it. And pastors uh, in pulpits, so to speak, we like to say pulpits, even though there really isn't a pulpit right. in any of these churches, <laughs> on their mega on their mega church stages with their smoke machines and their and their and docker rock, pants, their rock bands, their slim fit docker pants, uh, and their and their medium shirts uh, and their designer glasses are complicit with murder, <laughs> no matter how cool they come across, you know. And, uh, and now they're targeting the transgender community. Well, I think the problem and is... That, and I have a problem with that. So I can't call myself an evangelical in that sense. Well, I think what the problem is, is it kind of going back to your points a few minutes ago, is once you, once you start politicizing within the church and not focusing on the spiritual transformation, right? Because one of the things that you also say is like, it's all it's all political. Like you can't, be in the spiritual life without the political side of it. And you right. point, you point to G, you know, the Jesus story. Um, and yeah, for, the civil rights my, movement yeah. started at Ebenezer Baptist church. I mean, symbolically started there It started at many other. Churches. Yeah. It started way before that. But in my view, you, you got to have the transformation first and allow that to inform yeah. your political instead of, just focusing on the political because that that's when it that's when you start get getting complacent with um um really horrible i mean they're tragedies but they're also not tragedies because they're yeah. other you know they're people like like the matthew shepherd thing there you know it's two two guys attacking him yeah you know what i mean and so to be complacent in that sort of thing is is uh it's problematic. Silence is violence. <laughs> and so, yeah, so th those things began to you know, rock me. And and I've always been caught, uh, conflicted, as I'm conflicted with so many other issues. Um, and one of them would be, you know, do you take the stand of a reformer or you, do you take a stand of a revolutionary? Mm. And, and I've always struggled with that. And so back to my Catholic roots, you know, you had uh, figures like uh, Francis of Assisi, who were definitely reformer types. Mm -hmm. Wasn't trying, you know, he didn't say, I'm no longer a Roman Catholic. I renounce Catholicism, you know. He, never, he was still operating within the, yeah, the bounds of Yeah, and these priests around him were absolutely corrupt individuals, and he would respect them. And, and so I, I aspire that. And I'm not a big fan, of, to be honest, just a personal preference. I'm not a big fan of... Martin Luther, 
there we just lost all our Protestant listeners. Uh, or and I'm definitely well, not a fan of John Calvin. We've covered that pretty pretty extensively. <laughs> no, Your I like I on. like John Wesley though. I like him. Uh, United Methodists are not. How could you be say anything against United Methodists? They're the nicest people. <laughs> the um, to go back to this idea of reformer, I, I think one of the one of the amazing, and it's not Francis, but it is someone from Assisi. Sort of the the end story for Claire was she was on her deathbed for I don't know if it was months or weeks, and uh, they heard from the Vatican that the Claires would be recognized oh, yeah. by the Catholic Church, and she passed away either the next you know. Yeah. The moment she heard it, she passed away, right? Is the, to make the story more dramatic, but right. sort of her last, the last thing she was clinging to was, and, and that, that points to this idea of a reformer, right? Because it was still important to her on whatever level to be recognized by, yeah, by the, the larger body. Yeah. And so, so yeah. that means you still, you might be on the outside, but you're, it, you're yeah. still in it. You're still in yeah. it. Yeah. And ultimately nowadays, I don't think about this that much. Uh, Francis and these kinds of people, they were just being true to themselves mm -hmm. and true to what they thought God was calling them to. Which I think is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to focus on anyway now. And, uh, Did you finish your, I, I don't know if you completed your thought about reformer versus revolutionary. No, I just, I was conflicted with that in my 40s. I see, I see, okay. Uh, I mean, when they, when evangelicals flock to Trumpism, uh, that was that was the the nail in the coffin for me. Okay, the, it's, I, I see that as complete idolatry, right? Uh, and uh, and you just want it's just a grab for power. So so they've become a cartoon of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they've become a they're going to become even more of a laughing stock. You know, yeah, you got your Supreme Court justices, but look what you did. You know, yeah. so and so to. I would like to, I mean, we still have plenty of time, but I do want to shift gears into sort of, um, you don't identify as an evangelical anymore. Not in the sense of the classic ones or the right. mainstream, no. And so you, you, your life is, is obviously shifted to this, uh, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago, this idea of uh, a monastic life. Yeah. Um, and so, so maybe you can... Uh, since we talked about the slippery slope that you went down with the, you know, quote unquote, slippery slope, becoming an evangelical, the let's visit some time with the, the quote unquote, slippery slope of becoming a monk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What so, that looked like early on and then how it's, how it's in my, from the conversations you and I have had the transformation you've taken place in the context of your monasticism. Yeah. So I lost, you know, that entire I guess just by moving out here made us revolutionaries in that sense. Uh, but as Cynthia Bourgeau said, you could you could move out into the desert as a protest to the mainstream right. church, but but protest alone won't keep you there mm -hmm. in the desert. And so, so yeah. So the the next question was all right. Um, if, it, if it's not a charismatic evangelical expression of faith or even a Roman Catholic expression of faith, because I have just as many issues there with the, with the uh, child molestation mm -hmm. cases throughout the, the decades being, and then the hiding of it. Well, and even the, that's I just, mean, that's, 
absolutely immoral and, and you don't have a moral voice anymore worldwide. Well, even the grab of power that you mentioned with the... Yeah, they've the, been there, so done that. The Catholic Church has been doing that for, for centuries, yeah, literally. Yeah, they've been there and they've done that and in almost every major country except the U.S. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, so where, where do you go, you know? I, I think a lot of people are in that position. They, they love uh, Jesus. They love the gospel tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't stand his people, who, the people that claim to be his people. Right. Uh, and, um, and, and so where do you... Where do you go? And and so for me, it became uh, organizing my faith in a monastic tradition, in a monastic expression. That's what became the the new the new chapter in my life, which was around two thousand two, maybe. I don't remember the exact two thousand one. Uh, we took monastic vows. Uh, we're gonna live this way intentionally, uh, communally, uh, in the in the tradition of. Uh, somewhat Acts chapter two, the early church, um, and in and in the uh, Franciscan and Celtic traditions, Taizé as well. Taizé yeah, was right, a part yeah. of that. So those, yeah, with a little bit of Quakers in there. So that kind of became our our hodgepodge, if you will, our right. hybrid way of life. Well, I think it's it's one of those things too that. Anytime you quote unquote start something new, you're really just sampling or stealing <laughs> from yeah. other tradition or other things, right? Whether it's art or, yeah. you know, business ideas or what, you know, whatever else. And so these, the ones you just listed off are the things that you guys look to as inspiration for, yeah. for what was being uh, started here in Chaparral. I, I personally, I feel more drawn to tradition than I do. Uh, novelty. I don't want to make something new. I'm not interested. Oh, I see in what that. you're saying. Right, right, right. I, I really feel connected to being a descendant of of a tradition. Okay. To be uh, or or several traditions, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether they would have me or not. Um, and so I, I don't think the traditions belong to the mentors necessarily. So if my mentors have rejected me, that doesn't mean. They don't. They don't have a corner on the market of the the right. ancient tradition, right. and so. Uh, well, even in the tradition of like recovery. Yeah, it doesn't know, belong to an 12, individual. Yeah, well, or even the group. You know, twelve step groups. You know, they they'll say there's other ways to get sober. Yeah. This isn't the only way to do it. Yeah. Like for me personally, it's just it's the one that worked. Yeah. So you know, I'm gonna keep doing that because it's worked for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm also some people might say they are against other ones, but I'm not against. Like I will tell people very upfront, like if you if there's something else that's drawing you towards it and you feel that will keep you sober. Yeah. Um, try it out. Why Why not? Yeah. I, and I'll say, I don't know anything about it. Like if someone brings a specific example to me, I'll like, I'll say, listen, I don't know anything about that. I know about the 12 steps and I can talk to you at length about yeah. that. But this other thing, certainly there's someone that does know about it. Find that person and take, yeah. take your questions to them. Um, because it, it is, it's important for each individual. Um, so let's, you know, take it to the bigger picture of any spiritual any spiritual path any spiritual yeah. walk it's important to have those mentors um 
and they might break your heart at some point. You know what yeah. I mean? And 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 that's okay. Because too. if they're doing it right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. We're not doing. Uh, you know, spirituality as much as people might want to. It's not um, Karate Kid. You no. know what I mean? Where you got to go back and beat the the other evil dojo. Yeah. Some yeah. people have turned it into that, but at the end of the day, really, the spiritual path is how am I transformed individually, and who is surrounding me community wise yeah. to affirm and um, I don't want to say push, but guide maybe uh, on that spiritual path. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, sometimes I need to be knocked over the head by one of my friends, you know, on this path, like, Hey, yeah. what are you doing? What is that's, that's not, you know, that behavior is a little is this suspect. your best you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is this and, your better angel talking? or? And I know it deep down inside of me, but to hear someone else, you know, kind of tap me on the shoulder, on the elbow and be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. I mean, I mean, I see, for me, I think I've, in trying to be true to being a seeker of God, a seeker of the divine, a seeker of truth has made me spiritually promiscuous mm. and in being spiritually promiscuous, I'm on the outskirts. I live on the outskirts of an ostracized village and, and, and I'm an outcast in that ostracized village. And so I see myself very much like in the gospel tradition, I would definitely be the woman of Samaria. Mm. She's, she's, she, she, Samaria uh, is a problem. Samaria is already an out, an, uh, an, uh, is already a rejected village in the mainstream, right? Right. And she was on the outskirts of that, going in right. the daytime. But Jesus sits down and talks to her at her level, and and respectfully, and gives her dignity. And that's that's why I follow Jesus. So I, I'm curious because I've thought of I've I've done some mental wrestling with this, but. What would you say to the people that would push back in the sense of like, oh, pick a, pick a spiritual lane. So you you were talking yeah. about being spiritually promiscuous. Yeah. So the people that would say, well, actually just pick a spiritual lane and did like delve deep into that tradition yeah. for your spiritual growth. What, what would be, or I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm assuming you would have a response to that. Yeah, I would say there's merit to that, and I did that um, in my fifties. Mm, okay, so I did that with the Catholic Church, I did that with the Evangelical Charismatic mm. World, and uh, I'm not going to waste any more time yeah, yeah, yeah. staying in those lanes. I see uh, what you're saying. If Buddhism would make me a better Christian, then you know, that's just a fact. What's well, it's, Sufism? It's, uh, it's actually really funny you bring up Buddhism because some of the ten day retreats I've done. Um, they're not necessarily put on by Buddhists, but it's a Buddhist practice would right. be the best way to put and they it. they create the space. Yeah. And one of the things a guy talks about is that he's like, you shouldn't dig five feet over here in one spirituality and five feet over there. He talks about picking a lane. That's where the question came from. Yeah, he talks yeah. about picking one and just dig, you know, dig on that for a while. And, yeah. and it made sense hearing it from someone. But it's like that hasn't like similar to you. That hasn't been my experience. I've I've also been spiritually promiscuous. Yeah, I I'd say spend five years. Yeah, that's not just with. I would say that also applies to a, a spiritual practice. Let's say you're going to do mm. centering prayer. Well, don't 
don't jump around to all these other forms of prayer until you've really given yourself to that thoroughly. Uh, I don't know, five years. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't yeah, who put, knows? Yeah, the time, time frames are number? tough. Yeah, yeah, time frames are tough. But definitely not next month, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And yeah, it's not like a 30-day trial period. Yeah, and it's like the Buddhist saying, you don't have to be a Buddhist to practice Buddhism. Right. Well, I feel that way about Christianity. You don't have to be identified as a Christian to be Christ-like. And so uh, why not go straight to being Christ-like uh, by pursuing Christ? Uh, which is sacrificial love, which is uh, working for the healing of the world kind of thing. So, Well, it's funny, too, that you bring that up because um, when I was in Phoenix, um, very much into a specific New, new Age church, um, and the founder, Ernest Holmes, he had no interest in starting a church. He, was, he wanted to do like... Um, seminars or like a week-long seminar or workshop yeah and any like you're saying like anyone could come and then they would go back to whatever their quote-unquote life was you know what i mean and so they in this what in the same context you didn't need to be part of uh the new age movement to be to learn these practices and principles right so you didn't have to be a christian to be uh or you didn't yeah you don't have to be a christian to be christ-like right and that was sort of his his stance on it too was like, well, we don't need a religion. Like there's plenty of religions. Let's just teach people some of these ideas around prayer and meditation yeah. and, and, um, and then send them back into the, into whatever, whatever their world looked like, you know, yeah. if they were a lawyer or if they were a firefighter and everything in between. Exactly. Um, anyways. Yeah. So that's kind of where, you know, and, and the last of my family in the old world, uh, we're living on an island on the outer Hebrides, which is the edge. That Hebrides means the edge okay. of Scotland on an island called, uh, when you when you Anglicanize it, yeah, I said it right this time, <laughs> uh, is Priest Island. Okay. And so I'm, I've, I'm in this family tradition, if yeah, you yeah, will, yeah. you know. And so, uh, and there's there's paganism there too as well. My grandmother was a... Uh, not not a Wiccan kind of pagan, but was a anti-religious, mm-hmm. uh, not maybe not anti, but non-religious. Uh, she was very. My brother was just reminding me. You know, she was a. I don't mean any disrespect, but she was uh, an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Our grandmother and uh, the type that that started on a case of beer in the morning and right. worked on it till evening. But on St. Patrick's Day, she was the only day of the year she did not drink. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. And she would say, you're just a pretender if you drink on St. Patty's Day. And <laughs> that's, so that's I incredible. just learned that from my brother. Yeah, That's funny. Uh, and so anyway, I feel like I'm, yeah, there's, there's descendant, spiritual descendant streams in my life that, that have made me do the things I do today. So I, we, we still have a little bit of time, but we are coming up close. So I just wanted to give you the, the opportunity or um, if there's anything else about monasticism specifically that has uh, sort of informed you that you would like to add to this conversation or just um, anything else you wanted to, to put as, as the overview of, of your uh, spiritual, and I don't want to say political, but spiritual and political evolution over the last 30 or 40 years that seems that would, you know, seem to make sense for this, this bigger conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and I, I consider myself a slacker monk. I'm in the slacker tradition. So, uh, you know, so real monks would look on and, you know, when they have visited us, they, I mean, some were really nice to us, but others were like, you guys are real lightweights. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we can't, we are. That's who uh, we are. So, so to the best of our own ability and our own expression of trying to work that life out mm-hmm. is what we do. And, uh, I don't know, for me, like we were talking about last Sunday, uh, the night we professed our vows, uh, what I feel was the birthing of our community here. And we hadn't even bought this property or moved here. Or any, I think it was another two years or a year. Okay. Everything's blending together. Right. Um, but I feel like that was the spiritual birth of mm. this place. It came out of the context of a group of people professing monastic vows. Uh, for me, it was a transformational evening for me uh, in my whole spiritual walk. And and then, you know, and then I've spent a lot of years not even thinking about it at all and just doing right. it, you know, and just being it. And and so with the podcast churns the stuff up where you right. have to, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, you know, so. Um, beautiful, man. I think that's, I think that that's a good landing spot. I filled the clock? Yeah. All right. Um, thanks for, for opening up. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is a, this gives good context, uh, for people that probably don't, or that if they don't know you and have heard the the podcast and, and heard some of those, you know, those bombs being thrown, I, I think this, I don't want to say clears it up because who cares about that, but yeah. it gives a bigger context yeah, of, of yeah. where you're coming from. Um, cause I, I don't, and obviously anyone that listen, I don't have those same sentiments, but I also didn't spend as much time in that evangelical yeah, world yeah. where it, it, you know, it doesn't inform me the same way as say, you know, I grew up in the Catholic church. So yeah, yeah. where, you know, I do, I do have a little bit more information and, and um, opinion about the Catholic church because I spent, you know, 17, right. 18 years there. And, and um, so I, I think this, this is a really uh, beautiful thing to, to be able to open up and give more context and a little bit more vulnerability to those, uh, some of those, if you don't know that could be seen as harsher views. Right. Right. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Making fun of something for the sake of taking shots. No, that's not what I'm doing. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. If you you also know that if you've listened to this, (laughs) we do that from time to time. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you everyone uh, for listening also. Uh, Thanks to Danny West. He does the editing, sound engineering. Uh, Jacob Nedia, that's what you hear in the background. I do want to thank everyone uh, that has been on this journey with us for uh, 2022. Um, And specifically, not only listening to the podcast, but also supporting us uh, with publishing the book. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, almost a year ago where where David said, hey... uh, Let's let's see about let's see if we can come together and, and put something into the world with these with these poems I have and you know fast forward eleven months and it's in the world so everyone that's whether you've ordered the book whether you gave during the Kickstarter or whether it's just been um, support in some other way whether it's words of af- affirmation or um, supporting us in a, another uh, aspect getting the website up for example. Um, a lot of this stuff, 
David and I could not have done on our own. So having the community surround us with uh, love and uh, practical support, spiritual support and all that and financial support has been for me very humbling so yeah me too thank you everybody and uh that'll call it a day we'll see you next tuesday <laughs>